Good morning. I'm David Fisk, one of the pastors here. I want to talk about how marriage is still relevant and how we have hope in marriage. And we're going to be looking at this for four weeks. And the thing that I want us to not to do, because it's so easy to do, is to fall into us and them, the church and culture, right? In any topic, we can easily fall into us and them. It's us versus them even, right? And I don't want us to do that. I want us to remember, how do you know what you know about the gospel? You said it in your member vow, membership vow, right? By God's grace, I do. So the fact that you know what you know about marriage is God's grace. The fact that you know about culture, it's God's grace. The fact that you know about um, different views of marriage, it's God's grace. And so just reminding ourselves, hey, I'm not like the person who knows everything because the gospel levels the playing field, right? No one is above everybody else. We're all relying on God's grace. So secondly, I wanted to say, can you come with curiosity rather than critique? Can you come with curiosity rather than critique? We're good at, rec- at critique, right? And point out all the things that are wrong with your message, right? But what if we came with curiosity instead? So we'll talk about that in other weeks as well. This morning, I wanted to spend some time going through the trends that are happening in marriage. And we're going to use some Barna statistics from the Christian firm. There's no money involved, but we're going to gamble this morning. Okay? We're going to play over-under by table. Okay? So I'm going to put stats up on the screen, and you have to, at your table figure out your answer is the actual number over that amount or under that amount okay like i said this is gambling so you'll know what to pray for confession of sin um no there's no money involved it's not gambling okay it's just for fun we're having a good time okay so the reason that we wanted to do this kind of have a whole week of Statistics is to help us figure out what is the kind of the terrain right now. Before we talk about this topic, let's figure out what's going on in culture, what's going on in the church. Let's just kind of get all get on the same page to see what what we're looking at. Okay? Let me pray for us and then we'll gamble. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Gracious God, we thank you that you are a God who doesn't remain distant but pursues us. You're a God who is relentless and that you come after us to teach us, to grow us, to love us, to make us more like your son so that we might have life, life eternal. I pray for this time. I pray that this would be helpful. I pray that it would be uh, encouraging and uh, that we would find hope. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First set, here we go. You have five questions, and you got to figure out, read the, you can read them all, and you have to figure out, is the number above it, is it higher, or is it lower? 
So Barna is uh, a Christian firm that does a lot of research, and this, this is from an article, The Trends Redefining Romance, today. Now, I know it's from 2017, so it's a little bit, it's getting to be a little bit dated, but uh, here we go. We're going to talk to these, and I'll give you the answers to your over-under questions, okay? So, first one you see, 52% of Americans are married. So, number one. Over. Over. That, that number is over. The, the, under? I was? I knew this was going to happen. That we're going get, to get them flipped. Okay, you're right. The real answer is under. Okay, I'm sorry. I got confused. This is going to mess up my whole lesson now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Showing, at least I'm not like some professional up here, you know, like got everything figured out. Um, okay, so 52% is the actual number for number one. 52%. All right. Number two is 10% of Americans are currently divorced. 10% are divorced... Now, that does not include if, if that person got remarried. So if they got remarried, it doesn't count. They don't count in the group. Okay? So again, that was what? Under? What's the, it's under. Okay. The number, so the number that I gave you is under. This is not correct. The sheet is correct. This is correct, and this is what I'm going through. Okay, 25% of Americans have been divorced and are remarried. Number three, 25%. I said 12. So the truth is that it's over. Okay, it's over. Number four, 30% of Americans are single. 30% of Americans are single. So it's under. The answer is under. Do want, does someone else want to come up here and do this? Because I don't understand. Then this. So this is over. The answer is over. I'm all flustered now. I have no idea. <laughs> all right. Number five is 60%. 60%. So this number is below. It's under 60%. The actual number is 60%. 60%. I do not understand. Okay. We're going on. Okay, this is not up here, but it's on your sheet. 34% of 30 to 39-year-olds are not married. Not married. So that's a different one than what I wrote up here. But that was not one we used. So the reason that I show you these first five, the reason that I show you them is that 
I just want you to see like there's been a massive shift in marriage trends over the last 20 years. Definitely more than 40 years. Okay? So uh, the, the author wrote, the, these are massive shifts, most pronounced among those in their 20s and 30s towards a broader move to delay marriage, delay marriage among younger Americans, okay? Americans are getting married later and later. So I'll go to the next one. On your sheet, it says Americans are getting married later and later. In 1960... I don't know how many of you are alive. I won't make you answer. Uh, 72% of adults were married over the age of 18. 72. Today it's 52. It's 52. That's not an answer up here. The average age of a first marriage for a woman is 27. So is it over or under? Tell me. Okay. You're just telling me y'all's answers. <laughs> so the average woman who gets married now is 27, and the average man is 29. Average. So there are a lot of numbers that are higher, and there are some that are lower, but that's the average. 27 for women. All right. The next category is cohabitating, like Living together, like you're living with your boyfriend or you're living with your girlfriend. 65% either strongly or somewhat agree it's a good idea to live together before marriage. 65%. 65%. So that answer is, un- the real answer is under. All right, I'm, I got two more and then we're done. Just trying to have fun with y'all. It's fun laughing at you. Hilarious. No, my parents said laugh with them. I'm not laughing. All right, 35% strongly or somewhat disagree. So the idea of living with one's significant other before getting married for the sake of convenience, 9%. To save rent, 5%, isn't as persuasive as the value of testing compatibility. So you move in with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you move in with them, you live together before you get married. 84%. 84%. That's number nine. So I was, I was thinking you would look at this number and try to guess that the actual number is over it or the actual number is under it. So I don't know how y'all are playing. So I think the answer is under, but it's probably over. I yes. <laughs> yes. Help me out here. Front row, help me out. Just tell me over, under, I, don't, I mean... Thank you. Thank you. I like that table while Dan's there. So think about that. 84% of people today, 84% think that it's better to live together before you get married. Right? That's a lot. 84%. 
All right, you see the next bullet point. A majority believes that living together did not affect the pressure to get married at all. And those who say it reduced were 19% or increased 18%. The pressure to get married were evenly split. Evenly split. So they don't feel like living together is assuming and, and like dictating that we will get married. That's not what it says. This is the last one, okay? Number 10. 57% of adults either currently or have previously lived with their boyfriend or girlfriend. 57. So that is over? The answer is over. That statistic is over. So I was going to ask, like, how many did your table get right? But, like, all the, all the grading is mixed up. and the, I think the rubric is messed up. I think everything's... You know what? Y'all can just talk about it at your table. Okay. Okay, no. Now I kind of want to switch to where Barna switched to. They switched to the church. Now, if you look at the bottom, at the very bottom, there's... Uh, some bold words there explaining this is what they're talking about, okay? So there's no faith. There's a practicing Christian, somebody who would go to church like once a month. There's a born-again Christian who thinks Jesus is important and that these people will go to heaven. They have confessed their sins to Jesus and accepted him as their Savior. And then on the back... Flip it over, you see evangelicals. Evangelicals meet specific theological cr- criteria. We would fall into this category, okay? In town, the PCA for sure, <laughs> would, would fall into this category. And you see, I mean, there are things that we would affirm, right? Like Jesus Savior, he lived a sinless life. You're, you get salvation through grace. Bible's accurate. Evangelism is, is important. God is all-knowing and all-powerful and created the universe through little evolution. Oh, wait, no. That's not what it says. And still runs it today. So it's not dependent upon church attendance, okay? So when we look at practicing Christians and evangelicals, 59% of this group are married, okay? So remember, I don't know if you remember, but that very number one was the average for America. So the average for Christian, practicing Christians and evangelicals is 59%. Among evangelicals, 67% of them are married, 15% higher than the U.S. average. But the divorce numbers are equal amongst all the groups, all the people. So that's a bit sobering. And you flip over. Percentages of those who agree it's a good idea to cohabitate before getting married. Evangelicals, 6%. Born again, 35%. Practicing Christians, 41%. That's a lot. And people with no faith, 88%. Okay, now let me pause again. Remember, it could be really easy to go... Well, it's us against them. Our numbers are better. <laughs> you know, like, it's not us and them. 
It's a level playing field. And so what I'm trying to help this morning is to equip you to be able to talk about what's going on culturally right now with marriage, both in the church and out. Okay? So what does all this research mean? Roxanne Stone said, Since the Garden of Eden, humans have been trying to puzzle out love. But the state of romance, the when and why of getting married, has changed drastically in a very short period of time. Marriage itself has seen the greatest impact, while once viewed as the primary end goal for romantic relationships. As I look around the room, I would think most of you, the majority of you, maybe not in the back there with IDX and stuff, but um, most of you, that was your end goal, was to get married. Like That was the reason that you dated, and that's the reason that you went out with people. I wanted to point out this. People are getting, this is the second bullet point. People are getting married later and later in life. They're dating and breaking up with more people before they commit to a lifelong relationship. The trials and errors of dating now include, it's the final step, living together. And that's an assumed final hurdle, right? When I was growing up, the last hurdle was, will you marry me? Yes, I do. (laughs) Right? But now it's not the final hurdle. The final hurdle is let's live together first and then we'll see if we're compatible and we'll get married. So, cohabitating. Millennials and Gen Xers were children. You can't always pick on the millennials. So, I'm standing up for them. Millennials and Gen Xers were children when divorce rates were at an all time high in America. So think about millennials and Gen Xers grew up with p- parents divorcing a lot. So that if that's the model you grow up in, it's really easy to have your perception and your worldview based on that. That is going to affect you whether you know it or not. So that's why they're so cautious and, and um, slow to want to jump to marriage. Last one I'll read is, Millennials and Gen Xers are skeptical that the church is relevant to their lives or that faith has any answers for them. Discussions on dating, sex, and love are opportunities to show that church can offer meaningful guidance through the minefield of modern-day romance. Now, I wanted to point those out because it's like, what do these statistics mean? And this is what... Uh, the author is writing about. And so I wanted to, to show you that our series today and in the next three weeks, our objective is how does Jesus make the church relevant and hopeful for marriage? That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about why do I need a piece of paper telling me that I'm married? Why do I need that? What does that paper even mean? To get married? What does that even mean these days? And then the last week, why would I not just tear up that paper when things got hard? And talk about reasons that are unbiblical and some that are biblical. So that's where we're going, okay? That's where we're going. Now, I want to say, so what, right? 
I'm an ISTJ who's laid back, but I like the so what question, right? Like, tell me something to do. (laughs) Well, here you go. I got two things for you. If you see this now, if your eyes are open to what culture means today, you know how to pray for younger people. You know how to pray for your peers, for yourself. We're not above falling into those categories. I could be one of those in three months. You could be one of those in a year. You don't know, right? So again, it's God's grace that he shows us all these things. And so we pray to him about our people. We pray to them about even our culture and that God would help change it. All right. Also wanted to say, I think in showing these things, I, my goal was not to shame you or to make you uh, like lament. If you were one of the statistics, okay? I'm not trying to shame you or lament you. But I do think that if you were paying attention, like you are grieving, I bet, for someone. You're probably grieving for someone. Maybe it's how you grew up. Maybe it's your current family. Maybe it's your friends. But we're grieving those things, and without Jesus, we're hopeless. Right? No faith. 88% of people live together. We have hope. There's still hope, right? There's hope in Jesus. 1 Peter 1.3, put this on the very bottom. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? We have a living hope for our marriages in the church. We have hope for marriages out of the church. We have hope for marriages in our culture. We have hope just for all of our relationships and how Jesus has power over death and sin and evil. He can have power to help you with your marriage or help you help a friend, help you uh, talk to your family about it, all those different things. And so where we're going to go is more of the hope idea. So come back for the hope, okay? Like next week and the week after and the week after. Okay? Okay, what I wanted to finish up with was um, what is your takeaway from today? We looked at a lot of stats, went fast through a lot of information, but what is your takeaway What are you taking away this morning? It could be something new. It could be something old that it was good to hear again. It could be something that you'd never heard before. Anything. All right. So, takeaways. Yes. Marriage is crumbling. Marriage is crumbling. Good question. I I don't know whether you said that you would address it, but the question I have is why? We're going to get into that. You're ahead of you. You got ahead of me, but you, that's a good question. Um, all right, that's one. Let's hear from from some more. What's that? Repeat what she said. 
She said, why? Marriage is crumbling. What we saw in the statistics, marriage is crumbling. Why? And I said, we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. Maybe the results of the survey... Oh, sorry. The results of the survey is maybe an indication of um, the understanding of the purpose of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he said, if, if we don't have a higher view of marriage, it's kind of disposable. I like disposable. Yeah. Someone had their hand up over. Yeah. So you're saying the quality of marriage is going up? Yeah, that is good to be thinking about. Trying to repeat so everybody can hear. It's good to be thinking about. I don't want to just jump into marriage to jump into marriage. I want to think about it and make sure that I want to do this. All right, another takeaway. Yes, sir. Well, it raises the question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have them this week. And we're definitely not playing over under next week. <laughs> That's my takeaway. <laughs> Pat. Yeah. No, that's good. That's fine. That's a good takeaway. Yeah, you're welcome. I I don't know. <laughs> Obviously. All right, a few more. Yes, ma'am. Two back here, okay. Rhiannon and, and Estella. I, I decided when there's still lots of people who are believing in marriage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 15% of Americans are married, but that doesn't include all people who would like or would think someday they will be married. That's a good point, yeah. So to me, it's, it's still very much a believable one that people get married. That's true, uh huh. Yeah. It's not that they just chunk marriage it's that they're waiting longer yeah but there's still a lot of she was saying that there are a lot of people who are still wanting to get married and that statistic doesn't include all the people who want to get married and are trying to get married 
Someone else had their so Stella, and then here. Yeah, that's a good question that I think we will address next week. Yeah. Did you have your hand up? I was just going to say, I, I think the statistics is what I'm taking away. Um, there was some sort of watershed time sequence in recent history, probably in my generation, where Mm-hmm. But in my generation, World War II generation, they were pressing, this is how you do things, this is what it's like, this is a reflection of mm-hmm. And I think there was a, a change, I don't know what year, what decade, but there was obviously a watershed event that changed the passing of tradition. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when the divorce rate was highest, you know, that's when the Gen Xers and Millennials were growing up. So, kind of to Estella's point, like, that's going to affect you whether you know it or not. It's going to affect you, I promise. Okay. Other hands up? Oh, hold on. Okay. No one else has their hand up. They all put them down. Jimmy's going to talk. So, uh, one thing I noticed, David, a big takeaway is that Barna, this firm that's been for decades doing research in the United States, especially about religious groups and their attitudes, um, the fact that they have had to create two categories, Hmm. one for people who affirm Christian beliefs and another for people who practice Christian beliefs, that tells us something really important. It would be nice if we could assume that there is overlap between those two groups that that, that affirming these beliefs actually means we follow them. Live what we say we believe. But yeah, that's not the case. And if we read our Bibles, we know that wasn't the case in ancient Israel or in the New Testament church either. But but there's something you know to be observed there that mm-hmm. that, that people who do the stats in our culture see this same issue. Yeah, and so. If, if you're a person who follows Jesus, kind of asking that question, I'm asking myself that question today. 
Yeah. Could y'all hear that back there? No. Do you want me to repeat it? Okay. I'm not going to repeat it, but I'll try to summarize it. Uh, he was saying it's, it's kind of sad that Barna has to create two categories now for people who put their faith in Jesus and people put their faith in Jesus and actually follow him. Right? There are people that say something and there's people who say and do. Is that fair, Jimmy? Okay. Yeah, Bruce? Like your world was smaller right. than back then. Right, and it was, it was interesting listening to, uh, I'm, I'm only probably, I don't know, 20% through this audio book, but it's really interesting listening to this person talk about um, that time of the history uh-huh. in their context. Yeah. And then to see what the differences are. And by the way, of course, it's Mel Brooks. Okay. Maybe that's where he developed his humor. <laughs> All right, let's do, I'll do one more. I thought I saw someone else raise their hand. Dr. Voss. saying to I didn't say that but Caleb was saying that there are single people who have a high view of marriage but at the same time they need help from married people to know about marriage right and that's what that was also mentioned in this woman's article about we don't teach enough about marriage to single people. And we don't talk enough about single people's contexts in the church. Think about it. It's all, it's all focused on family, yep. right? So what, the single person can come and say, what do you have for me? Well, we need to have something, right? I mean... We need to be able to say, like, I'm sorry. We need the single person, too. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like we need the single person and we need the people who are willing to spend time with them and help them understand more about marriage. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's the older pouring into the younger, or even just peers. Yeah. It's almost like God created us for community. (laughs) To help each other. Right? What do you know? No, that's a good part, a good point. And I just wanted to say again, like, uh, this is my insecurity, but like, I'm not trying to shame anyone. (laughs) I don't want you to walk out feeling shamed. But I do want you to walk out with Jesus as your living hope. That even, even in hard marriages, Jesus is our hope, right? There are times where my wife is like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> no, uh, it's time. And I just wanted to say again, like, The goal of our series is to equip you with being able to talk about it with other people. Whatever, if it's giving advice or whether it's being curious about one of your non-Christian friends. Like, that's, that's what we want. So, let me pray for us and then we can break. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you have created a good thing called marriage. And um, Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in your church, in our lives, and in our marriages, and that you would help us to understand, that you would grow us, that you would challenge us and change us. We thank you that you don't leave us where we are, but you continue to grow us, and you continue to give us hope. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.